We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And this is a very special edition of The Advocate tonight. Uh, This is sort of an anti-post-pandemic edition of The Advocate because we're live in the studio tonight. We're here live in the studios of WHK Radio in, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, so we're, we're thrilled to be here actually looking at people and uh, sitting in a live studio. And with us, the live person we have with us tonight is from the Cuyahoga County Council, Nan Baker. Nan, thank you so much for, for braving coming out of hibernation <laughs> and joining us in the resuscitation of life here in Ohio. Wow, that was a mouthful there, Nick. Yeah. And yes, thank you for having me back. It's great to see you again, see you again, and um, be able to talk and you know, it's just not the same that uh, we talk through Zoom or other technology that's been available to us. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same as a face-to-face uh, interaction. At Cuyahoga County Council, we've been away for a year and a half also since March, April of last year. We just now are coming back to our offices. We are now uh, in in our chambers, and we're having public meetings. So that has all changed. And not only that, everyone is out in restaurants, they're outside, they're going to theaters, they're going on trips, they're going to different states. Everybody is feeling that freedom, and um, it's wonderful to see. And there's a feeling of we got to catch up with things, too, that uh, we, we missed so much. And as I'm sitting here looking at you and looking at the studio, the studio really hasn't changed uh, in the last year, one year and four months, I think we are. But uh, the, this COVID thing has really become something we will all remember and we'll all talk about. And, and for those of us who survived, for those of us who we've lost during this last year and four months, right. you know, our condolences to all the families and friends out there who've lost someone during COVID. Well, thank goodness uh, we have the vaccination. I mean, that has just been virtually a lifesaver. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, I have the latest statistics uh, in the state of Ohio, 48.4% of the people are vaccinated. And in Cuyahoga County, we have 53.8. Now, that doesn't include those that may have had COVID and are naturally immune. Um, but I think that we are seeing the results of the vaccination, that it's working, and that people are actually feeling freer to be able to go out and not be living in such fear, which is really what this was all about. It was all about living in fear and being worried for yourself, your family, and your children. That, that is so true. And, and with regard to the continuation of the need to get vaccinated, uh, the people who are out there and they're hesitant because they're, they're afraid of the vaccine, uh, ask all of them to go out and, and study hard and, and talk to experts on the subject right. and, and weigh and compare the risks of taking the vaccine versus the risk of coming down with and becoming infected by COVID-19. 
and now they're they're saying the the current variant they're calling it the D or the Delta variant right is more aggressive it's more infectious and it's now they're calling it the pandemic of the unvaccinated mm. and uh, that if, if between now and next year at this time we're going to have people who have died because mm. they chose not to be vaccinated well, we'll we'll give you our condolences in advance mm. so it can be avoided it's foreseeable and anyway i i absolutely agree there's really no reason why you would not be vaccinated and the person you trust is your own doctor so your doctor gives you advice for all your medical needs this is no different you have any questions go to your own personal doctor and ask what is their opinion on whether or not you should be vaccinated and that's that's where people if they are unsure should there was a time if you remember there was a waiting list if you recall uh, to get a vaccination. I mean, oh, we were yes. on a waiting list, and then... We people, sure were. Right. We had the vaccination queens that were out there trying to get people uh, a, a, a place in line. So... It was interesting. I recall my wife and I volunteered to go and assist in the vaccination process out at the uh, county fairgrounds yes. in Maria. Mm-hmm. And it was cold, and people were backed up, you know, out onto Bagley Road, and it was uh, amazing. a big deal. And now it's like they can't give it away. Right, right. They have so much of it. But, right. uh, well, we, we want this to go away. Everyone wants it to go away. And we have to do more than just wish it away. Yeah. Uh, so in, in any event, we got our vaccination. That's so right. So feel pretty good. Yes. But uh, in any event, that, that whole episode of COVID, which will remain in our history forever, yeah. really knocked the heck out of everything, our social lives, our government, government services, the way we do business. Um, And you've been coming on once a month to talk to us about Cuyahoga County. And uh, tonight, uh, sort of an extra special night, beside being our grand reopening, our resuscitation of the advocate, so to speak, (laughs) uh, we're going to be on with Nan for an hour and we're live and we're going to accept phone calls. So to our listeners out there, if you're listening and you're curious about what's going on with the county and the topics we talk about tonight, you, know, you can call us here at WHK at the call-in number for all of our shows here on WHK, and the number is 216-901-0945. So, again, that's 216-901-0945. But in the uh, meantime... Uh, with regard to a COVID update, you, you use some statistics that we're doing. How are we looking overall? Is everyone back somewhat to normal, not wearing masks? And- yeah, I mean, um, I know myself, we, we've been out, and um, I think it is the, the norm to see people without masks. So it is not the norm to see masks. So those that you know, feel that they need to still wear a mask, must, there must be reasons for it whether they're not vaccinated, uh, perhaps they're still somewhat in fear, uh, maybe their uh, immune system, health reasons. Uh, but it is the exception and not the rule, and which is great to see. Um, it's uh, at, at Cuyahoga County, if you wanted to come to a public meeting uh, at our chambers, you would have to wear a mask. Uh, for us, serving mm-hmm. or any of the employees, we can show proof of a vaccination card, and uh, we wear a badge that shows that we have been vaccinated, and that's how they're managing that. Well, well, I think uh, medically and socially, I think people who are vaccinated are just looked at as no longer being part of the problem. Right. 
So relax, go out and enjoy life. The people who are not vaccinated, uh, and granted there are some people who have uh, immune systems that are putting them at risk of having vaccinations, but for the most part, a lot of the people who I heard are not getting vaccinated are having problems with trusting the vaccine and feeling, for example, that it's um, a problem with it coming up too fast. Uh, last week on the air, we had Dr. Dan Magus, who was telling us that the concept of the messenger RNA that's used for this virus, to fight this virus, right. has been something that has been worked on for the last 10 to 15 years. So it, it's not that new. But, but in any event, right. the people who are out there unvaccinated, they can get it and they can die. They can. I think it's the younger people. I think that, uh, as you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, 25, you're invincible. You know, you don't think about mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. farther than tomorrow. You know, you're just young and healthy, and you don't think that anything can really take you down. And I think we have to overcome that, too, to get the, the younger people to understand that this is important. It can take you down. You can be a spreader to someone else that perhaps is more vulnerable and uh, those are the messages that need to be sent. And, um, you know, that. Well, I think part of what we're doing tonight is spreading that message. Yes. And uh, any of our listeners who are out there who have uh, any comments about the vaccination to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, especially for those who feel that vaccination is wrong, I'd like to hear from them to understand what, what's the logic, what's the rationale to get, to get you to that point. So the number here again is 216-901-0945. But uh, we're going to take a short break here in a little bit. And uh, we're talking to Cuyahoga County Council Member Nan Baker, and we're talking about life in Cuyahoga County. I think we're talking about life in Cuyahoga County after COVID. Yes, and, absolutely. And uh, we're all getting back. And I, I can't, it's almost like a, a holiday. I know. It is. It's uh, something to celebrate, in my opinion. Uh, Independence Day, 4th of July, that was a wonderful day. Well, one of the big problems we're having, uh, I don't know if it's a big problem, but uh, with it being summer, we've gone through May, which I love the month of May. We flew through June, and we're now getting through July. I mean, summer is going to go by way too too quickly, and we're all trying to jam everything into it. We are trying to jam a lot in. We usually do, but it's... On steroids. <laughs> it's on steroids now. Yeah. Well, people didn't spend money all last year, so they're saving the money and have it available to do fun things. That's true. Well, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate on WHK. The answer, we'll be back after these words, so please don't go away. We'll be right back. This is WHK, Color Channel 14, Cleveland Radio, where your hearing swings. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate and that uh, that old WHK jingle. <laughs> if uh, you are old enough to remember when that was actually being broadcast on AM radio, then you're probably near my age. <laughs> so when we used to listen to all the rock and roll music of the day on about a two-and-a-half-inch speaker on a transistor radio, I mm-hmm. thought it sounded great <laughs> compared to what we had before that. 
But uh, in any event, uh, COVID, 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 heard enough of that for the last year. Um, we're here today with uh, Nan Baker. She's a council member of the Cuyahoga County Council. That's the governing body in, in northern Ohio here that handles a budget of about how many millions of dollars? Over a billion? Well, it's about $350 million, actually, general fund dollars. Mm-hmm. Of course, over a billion that comes in as flow-through dollars, if you add that to it. But uh, it's a you know it's a nice amount of dollars for the county to spend and push down to our cities, and also include many of the services that are are needed for many people that are in need. A lot of the money coming into the county comes from sales tax. Is that right? Yes, sales tax, uh, property tax. With um, with the sales tax yes. during the COVID, I think everybody was staying in their homes or apartments. Uh, and now that everybody's getting back out, do you see an increase in sales tax revenues? We do. And, you know, the the sales tax that was predicted that we would lose was not as bad as we, as our finance director thought it would be. So we really came out of the COVID not as bad as what was predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, people were working, but working remotely. So um, there was that. Uh, also, the stimulus dollars that were given to people, they were spending. Uh, and then we, on top of that, we had the CARES federal funding that was in 2020 that really helped fill, backfill the county's budget. And uh, many of the cities received uh, CARES Act funding. So between the sales tax not being as hit as much as we thought, the federal dollars that came in that really did fill in for the services that were needed, um, it wasn't as it, it we really came out of it okay. Um, a lot of the businesses, of course, uh, suffered. Some will never come back. Uh, there's a there certainly is room to help those that uh, suffered greatly from it. But as far as the county government goes, we really did get through with the aid of the federal government with the CARES Act in 2020 um, to fill our coffers and give the services that were needed. Other than restaurants and bars that because of COVID, a lot of them seem to go out of business, or at least the businesses that went out of business seemed more often than not to be a restaurant or a bar. Right. Were there other businesses other than that? Uh, someone you know, was telling me about taxi cabs. Uh, yeah, that well, happen? well, Ubers, I think, anything that had something to do with taking people to destinations, mm-hmm. destination-type places, travel industry certainly uh, got hurt. The, the ball fields, you know, calves and the, and the Indians, and you know all of that got hurt. All that revenue that we would have gotten or came from those types of uh, museums, um, theaters, all of those types of businesses all got hurt. So the, there certainly were, you know, there were, though, those that were working in office buildings that worked for the bank or other type of businesses that were sent remotely working from home. Uh, instantly, kitchens and family rooms and offices and bedrooms became offices for many people. And uh, I think through this transition of uh, being able to work remotely is not something that's going to go away. I think there's still going to be a need to come back together as we are face-to-face and there's a difference. 
But there also is room, I think, to work remotely. And for many people, that's very attractive, the uh, not being able to, uh, not, not having to travel, uh, having children at home or having those that they may take care of or just not the time that it takes to get from one place to another. They Five minutes before they have to go to work, they, they clock in. It yeah. is a different just, environment. Just dress up from the waist up. There you go. And don't stand somewhere. up. Yeah, please. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> I think we've all learned. All uh, learned to be, to be very careful. Technology is yeah. convenient, but also very unforgiving yes. and very permanent. It has been uh, evolution of learning things. I never knew what Zoom was before a yeah. year and a half ago. And now I use it probably three or four times a day. And uh, I think a lot of that's going to be carried over to the post-COVID world just because it saves driving, gas money, and uh, parking, and time. Right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, So, but, you know, when when we talk about the the, the COVID and all those things that have been happening, we're we're talking also about the, again, the revitalization and the return of the economy. Right. And there's a thing called the American Rescue Federal Funding. What is that about, and how has that impacted us here at Cuyahoga County? Well, it's it's a huge impact, and it's a big impact not only for us, but also for cities and um, the state as a whole. But just focusing on Cuyahoga County, we're going to be receiving and have received already $120 million, and another $120 million will come next year. And as I said, our budgets really weren't impacted as we thought they would be, so the executive actually is having town hall meetings and he is trying to uh, get input from residents to say, what do you want to spend this $240 million on? Uh, it's a once in a lifetime or historically given to us like never before. And uh, we are actually contemplating how we should spend that $240 million. It's not really to enhance what we already have because we're in pretty decent shape with our budget. Uh, I asked our finance director not too long ago, where are we since 2019? And he said we're about $10 million from where we should be. And $10 million compared to $240 million shows you that we've got a considerable amount of funding that can be put perhaps in fresh water enhancement, uh, streets and roads or pathways or uh, workforce training like we've never seen it. Uh, just well, a, well, something you mentioned earlier is that a lot of the businesses that have gone out of business may be wait, I, I don't know if you mentioned this yet, but they may be waiting for some program that would have grants or something like that that right. would help them return, some well, of our favorite restaurants perhaps. Right. Well, many of them have been giving some assistance all the way through. Um, they've been giving stimulus, mm-hmm. PPP money, that has been given to uh, small businesses to help them through. Uh, it's it just depends on how far how far they are in their depth of trying to regain. Uh, also, employees right now are difficult to hire, and that is hurting our small businesses. Now, why why is that? I mean, I would think that uh, there's always an unemployment rate, right? And if there are people looking for employees, this should be a golden opportunity for people who wanted a job to get a job. You think it would be. In fact, I tell people 
the chances of you getting a job are pretty good right now because there's a lot of people that are opting to stay home and collect the extra $300 a week that they weren't getting on top of their unemployment. Uh, that will run out, and that's running out, I believe, at the end of this year, although I think Governor DeWine actually is ending it early. I think it's the end of perhaps this month or next month. I think it's the end of next month that that extra $300 will stop. Um, but well, that seems to be a giveaway. Uh, how is the public uh, taking Governor DeWine's decision to cut it off at the end of this or next month? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Those that are receiving it would like to see it continue. The businesses that are looking for employees say that it should have been done sooner. Well, so, what do you say? It sounds like a gravy train, uh, that it was great to have that when it was needed, yeah. but it seems the need is no longer there. Well, you know, like like government, we're always just a little behind. We, we always seem to be catching up. We could have used this months ago. But we're finally got it passed and it's signed and it's now delivered and we've gone through the toughest part. So, <laughs> Well, the wild card is still whether or not the Delta variant of the COVID-19 is going to come back and make a secondary yeah. sort of an echo type of a pandemic uh, effect yeah. where we have to lock down again. I don't think we're ever going to do, do I the don't lockdown. Either. I, I really don't but think so. We'll lose half of the workforce just if half of them are unvaccinated. And if it spreads that, that wildly, I hope it doesn't. Yeah. that's. Uh, we're going to take a short break again. We're talking to Nan Baker, Cuyahoga County Council. We'll be back after these words, and feel free to call in if you have any questions about the county on any of these issues. We'll be right back after these words. Don't go away. The number is 216-901-0945. Four or five, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. Want to hear some different voices? Although I love listening to Nan's voice, <laughs> and uh, I know I don't love listening to my voice. So let's uh, call in two one six nine zero one zero nine four five, and uh, we'll be back to talk about Cuyahoga County and how great things are here. Currently, we have a lot of money. So we have to enjoy the moment. Don't right. blink. Don't blink. <laughs> we'll be back after these words. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And we're here tonight with Nan Baker, member of the Cuyahoga County Council, the supreme government of Cuyahoga County and uh, responsible for spending all of our money. And it seems like they're doing a fairly good job up to this point. So, uh, Nan, thank you as always for being here. And... uh, Nan's available for telephone calls. We're trying this out tonight. So Nan's with us for the full hour and uh, anxious for phone calls and talking about what's cooking. But um, there's a topic you and I talked about earlier. It's called the Diversion Center uh, for people who are involved with opioids. What is that all about and how is that going? Well, we realize that uh, there are those that um, get arrested and they're either under the influence or they are drug addicted or they have mental illness. And what, have, what we've been doing is taking that person to jail. And uh, it was brought to our attention that, you know, those people need help, not jailing. And that they're, they're, if, it's, if it's a nonviolent, low-level offense or if it's mental illness uh, and they are in uh, a substance abuse, then it's determined that they would go to the diversion center instead of going to jail. 
So it's been a process of, uh, of how we manage that. Right now we have a temporary facility, the Oriana House, which is uh, on East 55th Street, is a 50-bed uh, facility that uh, we are now, um, yeah, that we, there's a lot to this. So, you know, if anyone has a specific question about that, but there's there's different. We have, we have a caller now. Let's let's take uh, our caller. We have is it Marianne? Marilyn from Strongsville. Marilyn, are you on the air? Marilyn, can I hear you? Are you there? Yes. Hello, Marilyn. Yes. Hi. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. Hi. What What's your question for well, Nan Baker? At time of an arrest. How does the police officer determine if a suspect should go to jail or to a detention center? Okay, well, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, that's very timely. So thank you. We were just getting on that topic. And uh, it is, you know, this is new. Uh, if you would turn your radio down in the background, that would be helpful because we can hear that. So your question is timely. Uh and, and really, it's we're learning as we go. Uh, the Adams Board is part of this whole process, and uh, they are really uh, coaching us in trying to understand and how to detect whether someone who, again, is a nonviolent, low-level offense. So this is not a... Let me interrupt for a moment. Sure. Adams Board, that's not a person's name. Yes. That's an acronym for what? Uh, I think it's alcohol, drugs, or something. That's right. It's... Uh, it's a it's a drug program that is out there and it is and it's under it's not really uh run by the city but in cooperation i mean not run by the county but in cooperation with the county and they are there to help those with behavioral issues drug abuse um, alcohol um, and you know it's it's a it's a vital arm of the county and this is just a part of that and it was suggested that our police officers really take a look at who it is that they're arresting and determine. And they they have to follow a few guidelines. Um, they have to call the Diversion Center, which is the frontline service, and they have to talk to someone there after they determine that the uh, health criteria has been met. And then they will transport that person to the Diversion Center and uh, sign that person in, and that person must agree to stay for nine days. Um, if they say they don't want to go to the diversion center, they're just uh, not something that they think they want to do, then they go to jail, and then they wait for their time to um, to have their, their day in court. But um, most people, especially those that are truly in need, will agree to go to the diversion center to uh, get the, the help that they need. And after those nine days, they determine how much other services that they may be needing. They go on then to other uh, parts of the county that could still help them with their substance abuse. And hopefully this is a solution instead of putting them in jail, which overcrowds our jail, which is another part of this piece, is that our jails continue to be overcrowded with nonviolent people that really need help and not be locked up. And that's part, that's what the diversion center is for. And we are looking for 
a place to have a permanent diversion center. Right now, the Oriana House is temporary. It's temporary. But, well, let me ask uh, the uh, our, our caller, uh, do you think this is a good program, or do you think yes, it should be expanded? Sounds, yes, yes, it sounds, it sounds great. I didn't even know they had anything like that. Well, I appreciate you calling, because I was concerned that some people might feel that if someone's abusing drugs and the the police encounter them. There's only one thing to do, and that's lock them up. And uh, that's so, not always a good thing. what's that? That's not always a good thing. A lot of these people, jail doesn't really work for them. And it's not going to improve their situation, or as a result of that, the situation of, of society. Uh, let, let me ask Nan. Uh, what kind of training do the police officers get to be able to make this call out on the street? That's a good question. Yeah, they, they do go through training. Um, Cuyahoga uh, County, the Tri-C, has classes. It's part of their police training is with the Diversion Center and Understanding. But they also must call in. They must call and talk to someone at the Diversion Center and make and go through a list of different uh, criteria that would that people would meet. So not only do they need to be a nonviolent uh, offender, but they also need to show the signs of what this police officer is seeing. And whether it's mental illness or drug addiction, he would have to make that case to the person at the diversion center before this person is accepted. And the diversion center is staffed 24-7? Yes, it is. Where I think a lot of these situations and police encounters occur. Right, right. They're, they are staffed. Uh, like I said, it's new. We have 50 beds. Uh, it's turned every nine days or less, depending on the, the need of the person. But uh, we will see. Perhaps the next time I come here and talk to you, I'll give a more history of how this is working. Sure. But it's something that uh, they're, they're trying. And if it does show promise, we're talking about making a permanent facility. Well, well, that is very good. About how many people have gone through it so far, or do we have any idea? You know, I don't know uh, what that number is. Or do we know how long it's been in effect? Or? Only a few months. So it's it's brand new. So some people are benefiting. So next time we talk about it, yes, we'll we'll have some case histories to talk about maybe and find out whether or not it's been of any benefit, right. or did it just delay the inevitable? Right. That's and right. Have people come back. Recidivism is, I guess, the right. term they use. Right. Well, very good. Well, thank you for calling. Um, any other thank questions for, for Nan? Uh, no, that, that was it. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, anyway, um, life goes on. Again, this came out of the COVID. Uh, when COVID and the pandemic started, we didn't have any diversion program. Well, you have to you know, also consider the overcrowding of the jails, and it's really part of this um, and that's when you talk about the jails, we are seriously considering a new jail because the jail that exists there now, we've been told, is inadequate. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about the building of the new jail, which we've been putting a price tag of about $500 million. It's a, probably the biggest over, uh, probably the largest project that we have encountered in our county history. So I really asked, how is this going to be paid? We need to know, are we going to raise taxes? Are we going to um, go out for bonds? Um, is it something we can pay through a general fund? 
you know, how are we going to pay for this before we take on such a, um, a large complex? And that hasn't yet been answered. So I'm, I've been pushing kind of hard for that. And not only a jail, but a new courthouse. The courthouse is also a part of the justice center where the jail is. And the, the um, sheriff or the police station that's there now, they've already moved out, the city of Cleveland. So that complex that holds the police station, the tower where the courtrooms are, and the jail will eventually, if the plan works, be all vacant. Uh, they're talking about moving the jail outside of the city. Uh, and the courts aren't willing right now to move outside of the city. And uh, where they end up, we're not sure. So a lot of moving parts in this. And part of the diversion center uh, piece is came out of how can we reduce the population in, uh, in these jails. There's a lot to talk about when we talk about the justice center and the jails. Uh, we're going to be uh, taking a short break here. Uh, and we'll be back again with Dan Baker. But uh, we talk about the hundreds of millions of dollars in the project. I have a lot, as a lawyer, I have a lot of questions. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm just bursting with <laughs> questions for you about what is this going to look like? Where is it going to be? And um, what's wrong with the situation now? Can it be partially used? Do we have to move everything? But uh, in any event, we're going to take a short uh, short break, and we'll be right back. Are we ready to go, Craig? Okay, very good. So we'll uh, we'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips. We'll be back with our final segment of The Advocate tonight with Nan Baker. And we'll be talking about the Justice Center and new jail construction. Yes. So don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate tonight. We're talking to Nan Baker, who's been so gracious to be with us for the full hour tonight, uh, talking about what's going on in a little more depth with Cuyahoga County than we have in the past. And uh, during the last uh, segment, we were talking about the uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to do a new jail for the county and a new courthouse. Right. Sounds simple, a jail and a courthouse. We're talking about a lot. What What's wrong with the current stuff we have? I mean, can we spruce it up? And Well, you know, from what we're being told, we had a steering committee for the last two years, uh, a group of people, judges, and uh, we have representation from county council. We have administration from the county all got together and been talking about this for two years, and they came to us and said, we have determined that it uh, it is time to build a new jail, that it is uh, 40 years old and inadequate for today's type of jail, and that we could save money with the personnel that's needed to watch all the inmates because they're talking about a one-floor campus-style um, jail, which is what is recommended now instead of the, the uh, multi-story store uh, building. So besides it being not, uh, not up to what uh, technology and what uh, is best for, for housing those that are incarcerated, it also is, uh, it would take more to renovate and more to fix it structurally than it would just to build a new jail. 
And that's what we were told, and uh, we have decided that, you know, we're going to listen to the people that are the experts that told us that this is what's needed. And the sheriff, too, said, yes, absolutely, it is, uh, it is very difficult to uh, manage this jail the way that it is now, and that uh, he wants to see this new jail built also. So we're, you know, we've been through a very, very difficult time with the lawsuits that uh, mm-hmm. have happened. I think it was more management than it was building bricks and mortar. But still, um, we have had our very difficult times in that jail. And uh, the question now isn't whether we will build a new jail. It's more of where will we build it. And uh, right now they are searching for different sites, Um Nothing really has been said yet. We don't want to say too much about where the jail could be because we don't want to tip off the people that have the property that could uh, ask more for it than what uh, than what it's worth because they know the county may be interested. So it is a it is a process. Um, you know, as I said, I I'd like to know how we're going to pay for it before we actually. <laughs> That's uh, always a move good thing. Forward. And we've already invested $8 million into the company that's searching for the property. So we're, we're two feet in. Oh, you're committed into it. Well, yeah. Some questions as a, as a lawyer who has been going in and out of the Justice Center almost uh, since the day it opened. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the facility known as the county jail houses sort of, at the very least, two classes of prisoners. Uh, one would be prisoners who haven't been convicted. They're awaiting trial. Right. And having them attached and proximate to the court is a very important thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then we have another class of prisoners who are serving sentences. Right. And I could see them moving out to a different jail and changing the geographical location of those people. Right. To let them serve uh, their jail sentence. Now, is there any cost savings if they would divide those two groups like that and keep part of the jail or refurbish part of it for the pre-trial people and then just have a different location just to house the sentenced people? Well, I think the, the, the thought behind the, the different people that are incarcerated, those waiting and those that, have, that are serving, is that those that are waiting, the dockets are, too, the dockets are too long. It's too long for them to wait for their court date, and that needs to change. Also, uh, if they can't afford their bail, Bail reform is a huge uh, undertaking that needs to take place. So it's it's not so much that there's too that we have too many inmates that are there. It's those inmates probably shouldn't be there. They shouldn't have to wait as long as they've been waiting. And COVID didn't help. We released a lot of uh, nonviolent uh, inmates and those even waiting for the court dates because we just couldn't house them. And then we had COVID that was spreading through the jails that uh, also before we got the vaccine that was uh, impacting the health of the inmates. Is this being considered uh, if we have a backlog of prisoners that really form a bubble that's passing through the system? Uh, are, are we building, are we overbuilding a facility then? Well, uh, that when the bubble's gone, it's going to be empty or well, out of room? The, yeah, the, the thought is that the jail should, if everything worked well, should hold about 1,100 1,000 to 1,100 prisoners. Right now we are over 1,600, and we have been as high as 2,300. So we don't, and that's when we had all of the, the management issues and, and deaths and, hmm. and what we're dealing and with back in, 
Yes, in 2018. So, uh, yes, uh, it is um, really a, a reform that needs to take place. The problem is we've been trying to reform this for quite a few years, and we can't build a jail that's in, inadequate in housing because we want reform on the back end. So the idea is that we would build a jail up to 1,600 that could be expanded to 2,600 if needed. And that's what the uh, proposal is that came back from those that studied this uh, jail need. I see. And, and what's the problem with the courthouse? Well, the courts are also, uh, they're in the towers. They're part of the whole complex. The city of Cleveland has already moved its police department, so that is empty. The jails will be gone, so that will be, are scheduled to leave, so that will be gone. So the only thing left is the tower. Now, the towers also need uh, renovation. They uh, also need structural repair. And we were told that it was it would be better to actually build a new a new courthouse than it would be trying to renovate the uh, the courthouse that's already there in the tower. And the property that it's sitting on is very valuable. And to have valuable property like that for a public service may not be the best choice either. Well, I guess we have to wait uh, to decide because. As you may have mentioned, the whole idea of where will this be right. is sort of a lottery for people who are property owners around uh, Cuyahoga County. It will be somewhere in Cuyahoga County, though. Yes, it will be in Cuyahoga County, uh, not far from downtown. They're trying to get it within 10 miles, but somewhere where mm-hmm. it's a little more open and rural and acreage is cheaper and they can spread out and turn it into a campus-like setting on one floor. Same campus where the jail would be or a separate location? Well, the campus would be the jail. The courthouse, um, those in within the courthouse, the judges and the attorneys, would like to see a new courthouse built downtown. They do not want to leave the uh, downtown area. Well, that's the next big uh, big chunk yeah. of, uh, of yes. dollars. Yes, yes. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, sort of to leave on a, on a high note here. Yes. Uh, Sherwin-Williams headquarters. What's happening with that? Yes, exciting news that Sherwin-Williams has decided to stay not only in Cleveland for their world headquarters, but also have a research center in Brexville. So that is a $600 million investment. And uh, Brexville, of course, is thrilled to have that complex come to them. And Cleveland is thankful that they're keeping their headquarters. So two different sites for Sherwin-Williams both in Cuyahoga County, one downtown and one in Brexville. Well, whoever was negotiating, keeping the corporation here in Cuyahoga County did, did a good job. Yep, that's we, what we need we, to do. We definitely need that. So. Yep. so actually, as we close out for tonight, uh, things are looking pretty good for Cuyahoga County. And if we can get everybody vaccinated so we don't have to go back and revisit right. all those horrible things we had to do with COVID. I, I agree. If you haven't been vaccinated, please consider it. Go to your doctor. Do what you need to do to do your own research. But um, hopefully you will come to the decision that being vaccinated means freedom. Give some good thought to that. Well, Nan Baker, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next month. Thank you. I'll be back. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening tonight, and thank you to our caller for calling in. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. Road pointed 
slippers by the bamboo door On the wall a faded picture of a movie queen Torn from the pages of some ancient magazine Sleeping parrot, dreaming parrot dreams And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint 